where tens of thousands come to the climate change conference and yet this this um conference of the parties is almost unknown or unheard of by the public no one knows about it but arguably it's it's just as important a climate change one because it involves eight million people who die from tobacco use every every year um so it should be more public hello world welcome to the vaping unplugged podcast everything you need to know about vaping and tobacco harm reduction hello and happy new year everyone welcome to the first episode of 2024 of vaping unplugged the world vapors alliance podcast where we talk vaping harm reduction science and of course some politics I'm Michael, and I'm happy to welcome a very special guest today. We are joined for the second time, actually, by Martin Kallup. And Martin is one of the most outspoken harm reduction advocates and currently fellow at the Taxpayers Protection Alliance. Welcome, Martin, and thank you for joining us. How are you? Yeah, great to be here. Uh, I'm fine. Thanks, Michael. Thanks for inviting me. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. And since we are almost exactly a month before COP might happen again. Um, <laughs> so um, I thought it would be best to have you as one of the leading experts on COP on our program to, to talk a little bit about it, what COP is, but also what to expect and um, what happened in the last few months. So maybe at the beginning, let's start with the basics. Maybe you can explain um, to our listeners and viewers what COP actually is and why um, nobody knows about the tobacco cop but everyone knows about the climate cop yeah it's um uh, the cop meeting is a meeting that happens every two years and it means conference of the parties just like uh the climate cop and it's where countries from all over the world come to talk about tobacco control uh, and this is around a, a treaty which was first put into action in 2005 uh the um the framework convention on tobacco control uh which just like the climate treaty it's an international treaty 193 uh who members and and i think it's 183 have ratified this treaty so they go and uh talk about these things um the treaty itself is set in stone the wording wordings um down it was, that can't change without a, a big agreement from these parties so they have to talk around that wording in that treaty and this is where the parties come in they decide what they're going to agree by consensus that each of the countries are going to do towards improving tobacco control uh globally so the this latest one is is happening in panama city cop 10 the 10th one 10th conference of the parties and of course it was originally meant to happen in november but it was postponed um and this the claim was by the who that this was because of unrest in panama city but they also had a few problems contractual problems uh with the organizer of the event uh, and the panama convention center but apparently it's going ahead um although there isn't hasn't been much said about it but the threats are the same as they were before the who is implacably opposed to harm reduction it doesn't like vaping products doesn't like nicotine pouches heat tobacco snooze anything um, and basically they want to ban all of it in fact they came out on the 14th of december with a guide which could have been written as a decision for the parties to to decide on at the meeting which basically said they wanted uh, uh, the parties to agree to ban all reduced risk products um and treat them all exactly or, or treat them all exactly the same as tobacco with plain packaging high taxation advertising bans, public 
public use bans and and all that stuff. So um, that's kind of what we're faced with in from uh, from February the fifth to February the tenth. But like I said, it is strangely quiet, and the event isn't listed on the convention center's website. So we do wonder what's going on. I've had people contact me and say, "Have you heard anything?" You know, uh, the, an agenda has been put together before, and it's been published in places, but. We, it's amazing how quiet they are. It's, it's really rather strange. So we'll have to see uh, what happens when we get there, the, the, those of us who are going, of course. Yeah, before we get into what's happening on the ground and about the um, implications of COP, um, what, one more question about the differences. What, what do you think makes the difference that the, the two COPs are so differently perceived? Is it because... The, the tobacco control COP, I would say, is kind of a secret club, while the climate COP is the opposite. How did we end up there and why is that? Because, as you said, it's quiet within the organi organization, but also in media and the general public, almost nobody knows actually about the tobacco COP. Well, it's set up almost uh, deliberately over the years, increasingly over the years, to be non-transparent you know all hidden away behind closed doors uh, in the past they used to invite uh, observers to to watch um, and even industry used to turn up years ago but slowly and surely over time they've made it more and more difficult to take part um, in previous conferences they've thrown the media out um, and the public by lunchtime on the first plenary session um, and uh, they once famously even um, refused to allow in interpol to come along, uh, the International Police Force, because they work on illicit trade issues with the tobacco industry, which you, you'd expect them to. I mean, that's part of their job. So it, it's almost a paranoia from the organizers around this conference. They, they really don't want to have a debate. They want any observers to, to who are coming along to agree 100% with everything that the International Tobacco Control uh, Administration wants from these conferences. Uh, it wants to uh, often, by bullying means order countries to do what its administrators want them to decide um which isn't isn't really the point the, the parties make the, the decisions of this the parties are the signatories to the treaty and they're the ones who make the decisions so the administration the fct fctc convention um can make recommendations and they can draw up reports and, and provide evidence. But at the end of the day, the people who make the decisions are the national delegations, the parties to the convention. This is totally opposite to the climate change one where everyone's invited and the public is invited. to. And in fact, it's, it's complete opposite of most UN organizations, which are very accepting of the public if they want to come along. It normally means just give us your name and tell us when you want to come and, and we'll tell you how to get, get in. But with this one, you have to jump through all those hoops Uh, at the climate conference, it's on TV and it's televised sessions. Uh, Industry is um, brought to the table as well because it, you know everyone has an input. All stakeholders have a have a right to be involved, and there are tens of thousands come to the climate change conference. And yet this this um, conference, the parties, is almost unknown or unheard of by the public. No one knows about it. But arguably, it's It's just as important a climate change one because it involves eight million people who die from tobacco use every every year. Um, so it should be more public, but you just get a feeling that 
they quite like it behind closed doors. They don't want to have a debate. They don't want people to offer challenging opinions to them. So therefore, they try everything they can to exclude and uh, and be as opaque as, as they possibly can. Yeah, that's that's very baffling to me, especially if we look at the WHO in general with all their their problems of um, post-COVID times and and lack of transparency and and legitimacy and people questioning actually their authority. I don't understand why they don't open up and and um, give more more transparency to consumers because that is the other part. Consumers are completely excluded of this conference, but those are the ones who are affected by all the the decisions they 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 will reach or they want to do and with that you already mentioned it they if they could have their way they essentially want to ban all safer nicotine alternatives how do you see that and what do you think will the actual outcome be of the next cop well uh, just my personal opinion I, i think this moment hasn't gone very well for the who at all and they prepared long and hard for for this event to happen in November and um, for whether it's the unrest or whether it's the problems with the contract with the organizers that may, meant that they had to cancel it or postpone it um, I think it's not worked very well for them I think they're going to lose some of the impact from that um, you know there are really incredible incredibly bad threats in there you know um, banning nicotine pouches and banning flavors and banning open systems, all these things they want to do and redefining what smoke is, uh, you know, a redefinition of, of the word smoke, uh, which really is just beyond the power. It, it, you know, you try and tell people that and they probably think you're a conspiracy theorist, but that's actually in their reports what they want to do. Um, but they kind of were getting up ahead of steam. And then this is kind of, um, Caught of hitting them, you know, they had everything planned, and then, like I said, it's been very quiet since then. Nothing's really happening. But in the meantime, you've seen, for example, um, Chile has just decided to regulate vapes instead of ban them, and uh, there's positive things happening in I Indonesia and Thailand, uh, and and you're finding governments are rejecting some of the proposals of WHO. So this just means now it's happening in February instead of November. There are going to be more delegations which are looking at regulating that will probably say, look, we don't want to ban these products. We've just decided we're going to regulate them and tax them. Um, and they're going to they're not going to join the consensus. So I think the delay has, has quite harmed the uh, FCTC administrators, the Bureau and the, and the uh, Secretariat, because they, they were really going gung-ho they were going all in on the prohibitions here and that document that was released on the 14th of December was almost like it seemed to me a last throw of the dice this was this looked like this was set up that what they were going to present to the the parties when they arrived in Panama the timing of it was just after the the postponement um so I think they've lost the element of surprise there I think consumers have been much better organized for this cop than ever before Uh, we are, we're aware of what the threats are. We're aware of what they're doing. Whereas before, they might have been able to slide under the radar. And and you notice that the the, uh, the list of participants has has been published now, which was handy for us consumers because normally they don't publish that until after the COP or three days into the COP, so you don't know who's going to be on the delegations. But they've published it now, and they published it in December. So we now know who's on the delegations. And just a brief look at it, you can see that there are people on those delegations who are sympathetic to harm reduction. So um, there are there is going to be pushback against the WHO. So I, I think they, like I said, it, that postponement hasn't uh, hasn't worked very well for them. 
And I learned just yesterday that in 2024, there will be more than 60 national elections worldwide. So I hope that a couple of those countries then think twice if they want to approve bans on, on vaping or something like that and really want to go through that um, during an election campaign. Unfortunately, the UK is kind of a counter argument to that because they don't mm. seem to care about the or even think that this will win an election. Um, which the polls don't suggest, but it it can yeah. go both ways, I would say. Well, that's the thing, you know, all of these parties have been preparing for this meeting in, in November, and they had their positions all run through by their government and approved by the government, their de delegations approved by the government, but now you're going to have delegates who can't make it because they've got other plans that they, they've set in. You're going to have, exactly like you said, there are some governments which have changed since since the positions were put in place and a new government might say we don't like that position we'd like to have another one and all this has been put in place for you know the end of november to the start of february there's a lot of issues they've got and and when you're seeking to because they don't vote at these these um, meetings conferences they have to work on consensus how do you get consensus where there be some many governments who have a different position since november that they do in february and so you might find they'll have to put a lot of decisions on hold and push them out to a COP11 uh, in two years' time, or in, in one year's time now, because I presume it will go on in 25, which is now next year. So it is a bit of a mess for the WHO um, and the FCT Secretariat. So uh, who knows? But maybe that's why they're quiet. Maybe they realise they missed an opportunity with the meeting happening in November, and now things are all up in the air. And plus, they must be busy doing all the rearrangements for, for um, getting delegates in, uh, all the people who might pay money for flights that they can't get back and, and things like that. So yeah, there's some like 1,500 delegates at these these events. And if they're all preparing to be there in November, and then it, I think two weeks before it was postponed, that's going to cause mayhem. So there's, there's a lot on the plate of the WHO administrators for the FCTC conference. Um, and um, maybe that's why they're quiet. But I do think it's worked in our favor. Yeah, I can't, I can't imagine the, the reactions in those 180 government bureaucracies when they found out they need to rearrange everything, basically. Um, it, it, it was even hard enough for us consumers on a very small level compared to that. But maybe with that, we move into this and um, you tell us a little bit what consumers actually can do, even though we are excluded from the conference and about TPA's plans for Panama itself. Yeah, well, the, the list of participants, as in who the delegations are, has been published. So you should be able to Google it, just list the participants, FCTC COP10. And whichever country you're in, you can find out who is scheduled to be on your delegation uh, to go to this conference. And you can write, if you can, find out their email and write to them, um, uh, because that's the way you influence this conference. You know, your government is sending a delegation to this conference. So the way to talk to your government and say, go to this conference, act in my interest, is to contact the people in your own country who are going to be going, going there, or to your government or to your elected official, or however you normally speak uh, to the, you know, the government in your country and, and civil servants in your country. So that's the way, because we still have, I think, what, three and a half weeks until the start of the conference. If you can get your messages in to the delegates or to whoever can speak to the delegates, uh, and just just say that we're going to we're watching you. Consumers are all watching you. We know this conference is going ahead. We know the threats that are involved, and we want you to go 
and speak up in our interests against those threats that the WHO wants to force through um, uh, without any evidentiary base for it and without any scientific backing for what they propose. I mean, they've just cherry-picked which research studies they, they've they've chosen to, to give out. They've drawn up incredibly biased reports for the parties. So it's our duty and our role to give our representatives the truth and say this is what's actually happening this is what how useful these products really are you know and give your story and say how it's improved your health and say don't go to this conference and achieve consensus to ban these products because what am i going to do well i'm probably going to go back to smoking if you ban everything else um so yeah just get your stories out there and, and try and influence it from within your country but that's the way to do it because then the more more um uh, messages they get from people saying don't go and agree with the WHO the more they might think about it when it gets to the meeting in February and they sit down to make decisions and have discussions. And that will definitely be an element of surprise for those delegates because in a lot of countries those are the bureaucrats who normally don't receive messages from the public so I think that definitely can influence their way of thinking at least or maybe questioning some of the of the positions they're about yeah. to, to decide on. Yeah, that, that worked when we were campaigning against uh, medicalization of vaping by the EU in 2012, 2013, because members of the European Parliament were getting thousands, you know, hundreds or thousands of messages from people when normally they don't never got any, you know, and they, uh, they had bulging post bags from vapors all over Europe and it definitely swayed them. It, it, it forced them away from the uh, medicinal licensing route for vapes which would have killed vaping stone dead like 10 years ago and moved on to the tobacco products directive that we have now which is fairly reasonable regulation uh, maybe some things that could be tweaked but but it's 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 worked uh, unfortunately the eu is hoping to revisit that and change it again you know these people never give up don't they but we'll have we'll have to do it again as consumers but yeah that's what worked against the eu and its silly plans last time and, and it can work again so just just make make yourself known to your officials and say when you go to this conference we don't want you doing what the who wants to do banning these things will will be totally counterproductive and will force people back to tobacco and that's the thing that they claim they want to stop people doing um and yet they're doing these they're, they're, they're pulling up policies which are going to protect the cigarette trade from competition from less harmful nicotine products which is crazy so just just Talk to your representatives and say, go to this meeting and vote. And vote. No, don't vote. Just speak up in our interests and don't achieve consensus on anything that's going to ruin harm reduction for consumers and for people who are currently smoking. Fantastic last words, basically. Um, but uh, one final question. So will you be in Panama then personally? Yeah, the, the, the Taxpayers Protection Alliance had a a war room all set up and ready to go in Panama City. We are, I think, 27 experts were coming over. Uh, and then, of course, the WHO postponed theirs. So ours were put on ice for a bit until we found out what's going on. And um, and now we've we've had to change the hotel and some of the experts can't come. You know, like you were saying about what problems it caused us consumers at, at, on a small scale. Imagine that chaos happening for, for the WHO FC, FCT Secretariat. Um, but yeah, we've had those problems, but we, we're going to have plenty of experts there. Some have dropped out, some new ones are, are coming in to replace them. So we will still have our war room. We still have a hotel with, with plenty of discussion and, and we'll be there when the conference is on and we can hopefully react to anything that happens in real time and just have a discussion about these things and, and raise the profile 
of harm reduction uh, in Panama at the time of, of COP10. So, yeah, we're looking forward to it. It's a long way for me to go, but we've got plenty of Latin American people coming down there, obviously, because it's easy for them to get to. And um, and we're going to do our best to to speak some common sense while, while, while the bad COP is going on down the road. The good COP event, which is what we're calling it, is going to be happening. We're going to have all... Um, some good guests and people who who are on the right side of history like we all are in this uh, in this, this side of the debate and maybe running into one or the other delegate late night at the hotel bar might be fun as well which is possible <laughs> in panama i assume yeah it would be good to to get in a discussion with them although normally as we found at cop eight if you if you see one and try and talk to them they run away very fast <laughs> but uh, <laughs> But yeah, you never know. It would be nice to get some constructive discussion going. It would be very unusual for, for COP meetings, but that would be good. Cool. Thank you so much, Martin, for, for giving us some insights into COP. Um, I think that's very helpful and we need to raise as much awareness as possible about it because we all are affected by it, um, at least indirectly, at mm -hmm. some point. Um, so thank you again and um, take care and have a good day. Yeah. Thanks for inviting me. See you later. And that's it. I hope you liked this episode and you got some new insights and information about COP10, which will be happening in February. Um, if you want to know more about the World Vapors Alliance, go to worldvaporsalliance.com or follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever you use, vapors-alliance. Follow us there for new updates and next week we will be back with another episode of Vaping Unplugged. See you soon. Bye-bye.